Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Matthias. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are college dropouts, but we really, really want our English degrees. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a challenge. Each week we sit down. Our goal is to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read what we wrote, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you listeners. Exactamundo. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof a media, doof media production. production. We're not actually college dropouts, but classes are starting <sighs> next week, and I yes. am not super excited about it. Most like it's it's like a multi level fear. Because um, mm-hmm. like on on one level, it's just the normal like oh no, I'm gonna have a lot more work. Um, it, the other level is like this is all online. We don't know how the transition mm-hmm. is gonna go. <laughs> like a lot of these professors have horrible. never done online. Mm-hmm. My education is probably not going to be as high quality as it was. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the, the other fear is we we are certain that there will be a pandemic, uh, like like a local pandemic. <sighs> no, pandemic. Oh, a lo- 100%. A local epidemic. There is going to be a local epidemic. There's going to be a, a local outbreak. Yeah, outbreak Honestly, around every I'm, university because. I am I'm getting it. I'm giving at least UNT. Two weeks, uh-huh. two good weeks. Yeah, yeah. Be, before there is there is the first case, right? And then some then there are going to be a lot of things that you have to, to what change. Is, I mean, the the good thing is that uh, we are mostly online, yeah. Which means that I know for 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 people like me, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're I'm cool. not going to do anything different. Yeah, yeah no, you and me were cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, but all the freshmen, they um, the freshmen, they yeah. sophomores even too. Basically, they kept all the uh, freshman courses. Uh, in person, uh-huh. which are also the the ones with the gigantic 150 you know lecture hall classrooms, yeah. they kept all of those in person because they want the freshmen to have like the college experience. That way, they you know want to go to university instead of taking yeah. uh, the exact same intro to uh, like government 101 course that they could take at any community uh-huh. college, then pay like one tenth of the price. Um, exactly. And so they can get you know all that all that sweet sweet freshman money. But of course, but the but the issue is that the freshmen make up the majority of most college campuses. Yeah, and uh, and they <laughs> are children who uh, yeah. don't you know think about how their lives might be lost and other people's lives might be lost. So, because yeah. I mean, I mean, granted, right? I know at at my college uh, apartment con the complex, which is filled with a lot older people. Uh, even here, there was a horrible uh, pool pool party yesterday of over a hundred people. Dope, just playing loud music, coughing all over each each, each other, shaking hands. Uh, so, I mean, it seems like a lot of people aren't taking it as seriously as they should. Yeah. But the sad fact is that we're all going to pay for it as soon as a lot more of uh i'm not gonna say our our rights but a lot more liberties are gonna start slowly start being taken uh away from us because of COVID. it's gonna be great um i uh yeah i really appreciate that about the university and i appreciate that about our uh united states government super cool so let's <laughs> get going sorry about uh, being a bummer we're just like stressed out about it <laughs> we were talking about it before yeah i mean so. i'm i'm pretty scared yeah um <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be dope. Um, okay, <laughs> let's get into the words this week. Were term, classroom, white, and stitch. So, Jarvis, my friend, my yes. my my co-host, 
my That's me. G- my boon my boon companion. Uh what what <laughs> words did you choose this week? Uh I choose I, well I chose term white and stitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because I couldn't really find a place for classroom. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly what I was thinking going into this story. Mm-hmm. I just decided to sit down and just start start writing and just start going. Um, because because mo- for most things that I do write, I have a extensive process of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of wanted to switch it up this week, um, especially since, you know, this entire summer has pretty much been the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided to fly off of the suit of my pants and just write something down. Um, and it does take place around a school, uh, but I just never really took the characters inside of a cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I did notice that... Um the words seem to influence what you did end up writing, even if it didn't actually make it in, which is a, a normal do the right thing thing. Um, okay, is there anything we sh- should know before we get into it? Um, no, not really. I think we can just go ahead and roll on into the story. Let's go. So the title of this one is A Little Light. 4.45 a.m. DD. Hey, Mark. Sorry it's taking a while. Shit's crazy hard to get, LOL. I'm on my way to drop it off. DD. I'll drop the Addy later. Be safe though. There's a bunch of crackheads in Old Town. LMAO. A 6am silent alarm would buzz him awake. From here he'd have an hour before his mother put the kettle on. The sun's still asleep at this time. So it couldn't see the mess of Marx's room. The stale roaches and darkened ashtrays. The ash from incense that stained the carpet brown and dusted his desks. Yes, desks. White. Beyond the look of the room, the smell was pungent. Dirty lemon. Greasy grime. Pine saw. Whatever it was towed the line of pleasantry. Like a sage or rosemary. But different. Burnt. And had a distinct thickness in the air. Marcus was saturated in this smell, penetrated his teeth's enamel, and overpowered the cocoa butter he lathered on. Even though he set an alarm, Marcus wasn't quick or nimble. Through colorless eyes, he'd, he'd be an imposing figure, thinner than average build, but had the height and saunter, a bit of a RBF, not the best aura around him. But to his family, he's scholarship-worthy, Dr. Destin. So his room was clean, music clean, classes passed, and Sundays free for God, which left that little hour before the house woke, between six and seven, to spend preserving an outward image his family couldn't complain about. He had an hour to clean, collect loose baggies, light incense, wipe off surfaces, stuff all drug paraphernalia in his day bag, and crack a window. He'd take some eye drops just to be safe, spurt his hair with cheap cologne, and shove his cozy drug rug deep in his closet. A lot of work for one measly bowl and a smelly stash. But the alternative would be a horrible conversation and revealing his, his secret he'd sooner take to the grave. His mom would knock no later than seven. So, after running round for an hour, Marcus would hit the hay for an extra ten. To get that tired eye look. 
They'd go through the motions. Breakfast is ready. How'd you sleep? Good, honey. And you? Fine. I didn't hear you come in. I stayed over Joseph. You've been over there every day. Are you sure? I'm sure his mom is okay with it. Okay. And so on, until they exhaust every point. Then, they'd eat their bacon and eggs in silence until the bus rolled around at 7.40. Marcus would be careful not to mention school, and in doing so, let the idea slip from his mother's mind. So when 7.39 rolled around, Marcus would make a big commotion. I'm going to be late for the bus! And rush out, catching his black and yellow back disappear over the hill. With a smile, he'd come back home, complaining, telling his mom, I'll take my bike before zooming off in the opposite direction. This little mishap maintained the idea in his mom's mind that her son is is busy most of the time, scatterbrained but intelligent, a worrywart prone to being stressed, amounting to less prodding questions at dinner, and minimal calls or texts throughout the day. With wind under his wheels, he was free, free to ride down through the suburbs of Edgerton, Texas a spit of color under monochrome hills. The sun burnt all that that wasn't watered once a week, such as the curse of Texas. So outside city limits, there really wasn't any grass nor animals, just big nothing. Someone called the area of Texas Edgerton thrived in bumfuck. Even the highway company diverted the road away from them years ago. But the residents of Edgerton have worked long and hard to be considered the cactus flower of Texas. To Marcus, it was all a joke. Department stores would likely carry hydromoose liquid lawn over produce or coffee. There was a celebration called a cactus bowl, which is exactly what you think it is. They even, for a time, erected a flag in their honor, dark green white streaks, a purple-pink flower budding in the middle. They quickly buried the idea when the mayor's wife mistook the outline for their infant son's drawing. But, in all honesty, Marcus has been in nicer suburbs, yet never wasted a day inside. Rode down Weston Street, Congress, frequented La Casa Deli and Firehouse Tacos, passing between North and West Edgerton by way of Quinoa Bridge. On Fridays, people, peers, and older blew up Marcus's phone, either preparing for the weekend or planning for the future. So he used the Finder app. Not only was it unregulated, but its integration with Pinterest turned it into a sort of social media for lowlifes. Marcus used the app to its full unintended design on Fridays, like nudes through Snapchat. So he kept one hand on his handlebars, one thumb on his phone screen, and flicked with ease through Finder's white and red text chats. 7.51 a.m. Maria, need a quarter. You, K, 50 bucks. Great. I can come by the creek after school. Bet. 7.55 a.m. Oh, do you still sell pipes? Yeah, one hitter is 20, pipe 30, and so on. All right, I'll get a one-hitter. Bet. Faithfuls get discounts. With the sun in his eyes, he left the street his house sat on to cut through the town park. 
the sidewalk wound down small inclines through wide trees. Every so often, overgrowth would hide the path in withered weeds and forcefully branch off in rocky paths fostered by pickup trucks. To the left was forest, a sporadic grassland of few trees and many cacti, being donned the cactus patch by a tall dark wood sign posted in the distance. To the right was his school, and a far-off sidewalk the park road wound into. 7.56 a.m. Jazz. Hey Mark, it's Jazz from AP Bio. Maria gave me your number. You. Sup Jazz, what you need? Adderall, if you have any. I don't know what it's sold by, but I only need like four tabs. I have off-brand. Four will run you 80. Off-brand? I don't know drug terms. It's a different brand, but it's the same stuff. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Sorry. LOL. New buyers get upcharged. The school bus hadn't even reached the, the school by the time Marcus rolled around. A little more than a church cottage, Edgerton High had a surprisingly robust student body. Had a bit of this and a bit of that. Picturesque of the multicolorism displayed in the rose window of your local library. School started late on Fridays. Nine by city mandate. So Marcus had an extra 20-30 minutes to pick up. 8-10 a.m. Goody goody Shana. Got any balloons? You. You talking about Nos? Goody goody Shana. No party balloons. Yes, Nos. You. Okay, damn. 25 a box. Goody goody Shauna. 25 a box? I can get them for 10 at any cake shop. You. Then do that. LOL. 25 for finder's fee and I have to make a profit. Goody goody Shauna. What about 20 a box? No. 23 and a prom ticket? Only if I can take you. Goody goody Shauna. 25 is fine. See you in 30. Convinced is for a friend. 8.16 a.m. DD. Addy is 3271 Keenwa Drive. Pass the bridge and follow the pin. LL. Negative 30.439920. Comma. Negative 97.620960. Marcus rode his bike to Quinoa Drive, small sprint from the school. 3271 Quinoa Drive was a house on the corner, white brick, white fence. Pretty bland, but stood out enough to be a good landmark. Just past the house was the westward entrance to Quinoa Bridge, a mile-long high-rise that hung above remnants of the old town. There were tractors below the bridge, old shops, banks, outhouses, even sheds and houses stuck under the rubble of age still still kept their hollow shape, preserved through no one's intention. For those who geocatch or frequent Randonautica, the well-hidden stairs to the old world, necessary passage to goodies and treasures more valuable through the Finder app, Marcus could see the pin's trajectory. It was a little off from the bridge, to the left down the stairs. From the offshoot staircase, Marcus couldn't find a box nor, nor wagon. The plug could have stashed it in. 
Below, he did find the creek, nearly bone dry. Yet it spanned far off to the midnight dark woods that had no end. He figured the lack of care given to the upkeep of Old Town hid the storehouse under the wide-brim canopy that towered any structure for miles. It was probably covered in decades of dirt and water damage that's what made it indiscriminable from the trees that hid it. He walked blind into the belly of the beast, each step dimming the sun. At ground level, Marcus stopped at a one-foot hop that separated the concrete bridge from rocky nature. A ping on his phone snapped him out of it. By then, it was 8.30 a.m. People were waiting on him. So he followed the longitude and latitude into the forest, keeping a fair eye on the creek the whole time. A ways down the creek and the destination became clear. A dilapidated pickup and a few rusty tackle boxes pointed Marcus towards, towards an old fishing shack built on a water reservoir. The shack was a dock's length from the creek, propped up by a feet of rock, and lost in the mist of dead trees. It itself leaned closer to a hollowed-out great oak than a bait-and-tackle shop. Its neighbors grew through it, poked out the windows, and filled the walls with foliage one of us. Marcus figured it was the fishing shack, because why would he stash precious ganja in a gutter? So he walked round the back and stepped through a rotten hole probably left by a junkie with some muscle. It didn't look too good. Shelving structures and the cashier's desk were broken through by heavy rocks that sunk the floor. The smell watered Marcus's eyes. He was expecting fish, even old rotten fish. But the shack reeked of dysentery, B.O., the hint of meat and stale smoke. He covered his mouth and slanted his eyes. Nothing in the shack was telling, besides a few boxes and, and bags that were, that were piled up by the entrance. But their contents were, were picked over, slept under, and pissed on based on the smell. 8.33 a.m. You. Yo, pick a better spot next time. Pit-pat-plop. 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 Wet footsteps echoed outside the shack. Methodical, yet lazy, Marcus checked up and down the creek to notice no change. But it was persistent, labored. Hair climbed out of the reservoir below, matted, stringy, yet locked. Anywhere from one to two feet of hair dripped wet from the gutter. Then two hands pulled a skeleton-thin body into the moss. It cracked violently with age. It was a vagrant, vagabond, cracky aqualung, who was anywhere from 27 to 72, wore a tattered maroon shirt tucked into one-strap overalls. He rolled round in the creek, loose arms like a newborn but his moans were pleasurable, his lips gone purple, and dry cuticles dug into his hairy stomach. D? Marcus said, knowing damn well D wouldn't be crawling out out of a gutter to help. The man's moans cut, soft eyes trained on Marcus. Hey, kid. The man rolled, rolled over to his stomach, catching faint beams of light along a metal piece of scrap that was stuffed down the man's crack. What are you doing here? The man rolled to his feet, 
stumble back then forward towards Marcus. Oh, oh shit, uh, I'm, I'm sorry bro, I'm, the man let no second pass before throwing his a hand th- through the front window and poking his, his head through. Did you break into my house? I didn't think anyone. The man flipped in to the fish shack, grabbing towards Marcus and his back, but instead wound up flat on his face. Then Marcus ran. There's no telling if the man ever got up, but he screamed far in the distance, Trespasser! It was obvious he wasn't too thrilled about Marcus. The creek ran four miles. Fear wasn't what encapsulated Marcus's thoughts, however. Now it did make him run. But with every stride, his excuse formulated. Sorry, Maria. Plug gypped me. Hey, Jazz, could you wait a day? D, what the fuck, man? Mid-thought. Marx's foot smashed against the one-foot concrete inclined feet way from the stairs. The pain shot up his spine. Shoes trickled with wetness. His head hit the pavement, throwing shards of rock into his eye. Tired, hurt, and in need of stitches. Marcus stayed there for a good while. Then a buzz rang throughout Edgerton, shaking the winds like a storm was brewing. It was 9 a.m. At the latest... First period was just about to start. Fantastic story, Jarvis. Um, I actually, this is one of my uh, favorites in a while. Um, I just, I, I don't know exactly why, but it like hit me really well. Like your, your, your voice here, it takes a slightly like, I don't, I don't want to say like different route, but like a different tone or mm-hmm. it, it's like your normal voice, but like clearer. Like, where, where there has been, like, sometimes before where um, the way that, like, you described some scenes was, like, kind of in the Lovecraftian sense, like, in, in the in Lovecraftian sense as in, like, the way that Lovecraft writes, not in the, like, Eldritch Abomination yeah. sense. Yeah, basically filling it with a lot of uh, adjectives, a lot of descriptive N- not words, like to the point to where it might be too n- much. Yeah, not that, like, like, it's, like, purple prose, but, like, in a sense of, like, it, it, it bogs down like what you're trying to tell a little bit but i think Uh here um i i think you all all of that description really useful in characterizing our our character and uh the town that he lives in and um Mm -hmm. i really like how you broke up the narration with these texts um like I, i think it's a really nice structural thing because otherwise we would just have a lot of paragraphs of us moving around but this was like a kind of a way yeah. to like provide a, a break in between the the narration and sort of like skip uh beats between like one not like scene but like location and another so uh what was the thought process behind that um yeah so pretty much when i sat down to write this i wanted to stay a lot more connected to what's happening right then and there within the the story um, I know something that I normally do is I write for a future scene. So I, so I write in a way that is building towards something, which I did do here, but I try my best to slow down mm-hmm. and to try and, and to try a lot harder at, at painting a picture, but making it a lot more clear and a lot more simple. Um, and I think I kind of really found that that voice through going back back over it once and kind of cutting down on a lot of words and really 
deciding uh, what within this story is going to push it forward and isn't just fluff that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that divisive process is what really made this this story one that I really uh, in, enjoyed, and I'm almost proud that I've written this in in only thirty minutes. Um, and also, I am I am really happy that uh, the texts did come across. I was really worried in uh, basically adding them because I wasn't sure if it would have came across completely. Like, what do you mean by so I, come across? Like that that they are texts, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was I was worried uh, if they would come across as text, or or uh, come or come uh, across as something written down. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is why I uh, try to add timestamps. I uh, even shorten certain certain words. Added lol. Added lamau. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, certain things like that, just to kind of bring uh, across the the point that this character of Marcus is uh, closely connected to uh, what he does text, because that kind of dictates what his days and is uh, going to look mm-hmm. like, and also how much money he will make throughout that day. Right. Uh, very short tangent. Have you ever like written out the word LOL in like handwriting? It feels really weird. Yes, it does. It's it's yeah. weirder than saying lol out loud. <laughs> Be, because, like, when you do write it, it feels like you're drawing something. Like, like it doesn't mm. even feel like you're actually putting down letters. I, yeah, it's also, uh, like, writing I don't know. is always, like, handwriting is almost always, like, more of a formal thing. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you might be writing a note to yourself, but, like, in most contexts that we do it, it's either, like, uh, school or, like, work, right? And yeah. so th- you don't write lol in those contexts so um yes anyway uh yeah no the fact that they were texts really came across and what i really liked about it is that we got uh marcus's voice basically from the way that he writes texts and Uh i kind of got the sense that like he knows these people but like not all of them he's like actually like close friends with and he's just like um being like familiar with them because that's just the way that he talks to people um yeah like that's part of the the business essentially is just being friendly yeah being being Mm -hmm. friendly and being able to provide them with uh goods Mm -hmm. goods and or services services (laughs) oh uh so so i do have a question um about the section where he's talking to his to his mom uh, I don't know if this will come uh, across when I do post it on Reddit, but uh, I basically kind of clumped a lot of the lines mm. of dialogue with, you know, what it's being directly linked to. And I wonder if that kind of came across when you were reading it. By What do you mean by linked to? Uh, so uh, right here it says mm-hmm. breakfast is is ready and then in the center mm-hmm. it is uh, oh, oh with the sleep? formatting right okay Good honey yeah and you yeah with, with the formatting basically just formatting um <laughs> my, my my issue is that when i read it i read it on mobile version so i didn't actually see the formatting and when it, i didn't see the formatting it was con- a little confusing but let me uh-huh. the way that it's coming across formatted on my page is kind of confusing where like actually some lines that belong to different characters are paired together so yes so that's intentional 
Yes. Because it's... I don't know. I I kind of... I wanted to create this sort of disjointed um, conversation uh, to kind of bring across the the fact that they are just going through the the motions mm-hmm. that what they're saying to each other isn't really that that deep beyond formality uh, which is one reason why i detached all mm-hmm. sort of uh, tags on who is speaking because in a sense they're just dis- right. disjointed lines yeah the, the 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 taking off the tags i think worked for me because it's like these are simple and rote enough that we can recognize the roles that are being said like breakfast is ready that's mm-hmm. mom's line um how do you sleep is more ambiguous, but like um, the next line of uh, good honey and you is obviously a mom line. Fine is mm-hmm. obviously a, a teenager line. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, just by the, the, the content of what's being said, it's pretty easy to tell who's speaking. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this formatting. Um, for, for, so just to describe it for those who, you know, just listen to it. Um, the way it appears to for me is so breakfast is ready is um, left aligned where it's supposed to, where text normally is, and then um, mm-hmm. how did you sleep and good honey and you are both centered and one above the other, and then we're back on left aligned with fine and then we're back to the center with I didn't hear you come in I stayed over um, I didn't hear you come in I stayed over Josh's, um, and then the next pair of lines is actually right aligned, uh, you've been you've been there every day are you sure dash uh and then i'm sure his mom is okay with it and then back over to the other side with okay so it's yeah it's kind of like a meander um of a of a couple of lines um uh-huh. yeah i mean i think it was just really me trying to try something different on uh where the the reader's eye mm-hmm. will would go because by setting this uh, this up, their their eye kind of moves in a mm-hmm. squiggle down down the page, which I don't know. It's just it's I guess different. I in a sense was just trying to add a mm-hmm. bit of different flair and also kind of show that this section of him talking to his to his mother is just going going through the motions. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like rolling down a hill. Okay in a sense to where yeah it is it is moving towards something but it's nothing substantial sure um Um, i'm not gonna i don't know exactly how i feel about it so i'm not gonna say like don't do it or not i i I actually like it's yeah i'm not i'm not entirely sure Mm. so i'm sorry i don't have a really good answer for for that well no it's fine i'm not entirely sure either i mean to be honest that entire section could definitely be cut um, because something like this never really comes up anywhere else within the the actual story. That said, um, uh, the next time that you use a interesting formatting other than the text uh, is much later on, right? And that's with the mm. uh, the noise um, outside the the fish oh, shack. Oh yes. Um, mm-hmm. I actually really really liked it, which uh, I, I normally uh, like like sometimes breaks in format like that can feel kind of silly, and I think there's mm-hmm. like a small, very small element of like. Oh, that's weird when we when we see it, but I think it 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 I think it's interesting enough that that it works. Um, and uh, what's interesting about it is so you have this um, the the pit pat plop, um, and they're kind of in two descending rows uh, or mm-hmm. columns, two descending columns right next to each other. Um, because they're in italics and because of just like how 
um, there's a there's a word for this, but I, I forget what it is. But basically, like where the letters are placed in these words, like the fact that the, there's a capital P, um, it's a, a P I T pit is all like they're all um, like tall letters, I guess. And then Pat, mm-hmm. uh, the P, yeah, the P in Pat drops below uh, the the line, and then A is also a little letter. Um, it kind of when you look at it, at least when I look at it from afar, it looks like they're these words are squiggling but when you zoom in that's not actually the case they're just in italics but like they're kind of like wavy which is very strange but yeah Yeah, i I found it Uh, interesting um that yeah uh and i know as i was writing that i knew that i wanted to add some sort of onomatopoeia uh only because i i really like those uh i do also always find them pretty silly um, when I read them, sometimes I do find them a, a little bit silly only because it's just this sort of very foreign element being being added to the text, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, I just kind of wanted to, uh, again, um, vi- visualize how this might sound, mm-hmm. how it's not coming from one sole low location but it's kind of stumbling mm-hmm. you know it's it's it's, it's uneven and it's dis, disjointed um and thankfully i uh figured out how to do this mm-hmm. because i've always kind of wanted to do something like this and i just finally said well let me just press tab a bunch of times and just and just see and just see what happens mm-hmm. and it basically ended up lining up pretty pretty perfectly that's cool so. i like that i wonder how it would feel if you wrote a a story where like different formatting like this was a very mm-hmm. common element, like you use it like six times or something. Yo, that is my dream book. That <laughs> I don't because I honestly think using your text in a visual way mm-hmm. along with just what you're putting down can definitely bring across the full effects of what you're trying to do with the actual story yeah um and i don't know i this is definitely me trying with that because uh, i know one really great book that i like is the is the curious incident of a dog at mm-hmm. nighttime which uh within that book there are pictures and there are and there are diagrams and there are certain lines written in a totally different font Mm -hmm. and um all this really adds up to to creating this very interesting read Mm -hmm. that is different from anything else that that you've probably read um and i don't know i just i just really like that sort of element that that twist on uh what a novel can be i know i've asked so. this like so many times um and and i should remember the answer at this point but have you read house of leaves i have not read house of leaves okay yeah. i need to get the <laughs> book to you um yeah because uh well okay i have seen pages from it if like that makes sense yeah it, uh, and i know there is there's one page where like five different paragraphs are written in a jumbled pile yeah like like overlapping each other yeah yeah um yeah house of leaves is like experimenting with form of a book like the book basically it's um Mm. and and it's a pretty good story too so um yeah yeah i think that's a good place to to learn how to play with it now the the problem and I, i think this is like where like critics often like look look down on it is just that like sometimes it can feel kind of cheesy much yeah where like it, it i mean sometimes it's like very literal like if the characters are going down the stairs 
and then like the 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 words are like written as if they're going down the stairs like they're like they're yeah. stepped like it's kind of like that's cool i mean it's like neat but it's like okay you it didn't is have neat. to do that yeah, though I guess. well i mean okay <laughs> going down true. the stairs is like a, an unfair example but like if they were like descending down into a pit and they do that it's like it adds a little bit but it doesn't add that much and you also take away from how it's normally written i don't know there, there's pros and cons and um yeah i mean it it definitely does feel like for something like that it's towing a line to where it could be too much because still it has to be a book and it has to follow certain con- contentions and and rules uh, even if it is being ex- experimental. Um, so yeah, uh, I have also heard that plenty of people don't like it because it's not what a book should be. So Yeah, I mean, you know, genre conventions are just genre conventions. We mostly write things how we write them just because of, like, that's the practicality, like, limits. Like, because printing presses were a certain way, that's why we have letters be a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. And... and like the reason that books have margins is because like it's easier to to print them that way and it looks better and um it's not like you couldn't break that um especially if you're just like writing for yourself especially and you're not worried about printing costs but yeah um (laughs) yeah like the i guess the issue is just that people come in with a lot of expectations right just because a book is a, a book and that means things to to them um breaking those conventions can uh you have to be yeah you just have to be careful about it which i think experimenting is the correct thing to do also if you want uh an example of some fairly good breaking um uh convention uh there's a couple times in wild bow's more recent works where uh, he does something like that um Um, like in pale or twig in uh, the ones i remember happen in ward and pale yeah um, okay. And I think there might be one in Worm too. Um, oh yeah, there's also one in uh, in Pact. Uh, I remember now. Let me try. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Is the thing. Anyway, but uh, I, I'm not gonna spoil anything. But yeah, Wabo um, plays around with just like the fact that there are chapters and there's a button for next chapter and oh. um, <laughs> like does interesting things with that okay cool yeah and i mean that's great i mean that's that's the glory of being postmodern. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um so uh, let's let's move on from this specific uh topic i know i've uh, oh, gone yeah. on a bit oh, about it well i guess i i do have a mm-hmm. question yeah. um so overall right we're talking about the story that is being pre-presented along with um I guess a question on if a lot of the moments where I am uh, describing the town or uh, describing uh, Marx's past experiences, were those moments kind of meandering or was it still pushing towards that end? I would say it was mostly pushing towards the end. I mean, there's definitely like okay. stuff that like you would end up cutting, but um, I think it's pretty well directed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where like... I mean, in a, if this was, like, the entire story and there's not, like, the, an open-ended of, like, there might be more to write, um, yeah. then I would say that maybe some of it's meandering. But that's just the, like, idea of, like, short stories should be, like, efficient or whatever in their final form. But mm-hmm. this is not the final form. So, like, it's kind of, like, moot point 
on on a different section the um when uh, Marcus is, is texting texting these these people like if this was like a super My favorite section to write I mean they, yeah no no I, I really did enjoy them but like if they were if this was a story you were trying to like submit to uh like a f- official publishing place right you would want each one of those to be like really significant to the story like not necessarily mm-hmm. like oh plot you know plot twists are happening in every uh text exchange or whatever but just like that they reveal uh something important and relevant to the themes you're trying to tell um in each of those exchanges like why is he talking to this person in that way and what is that mean is is that a good thing is that a bad thing that kind of thing um okay i see so yeah basically the same thing with meandering we're like if if this is a, a longer ish story then like i can i i'm basically okay with the assumption of like the the description of the town um is going to be really relevant it's already relevant now to set up the tone but it's going to be really relevant later on when we build upon these themes and we come back to different parts of the setting Mm, definitely yeah and i think one major thing is that uh as i was writing this um i expected to get to a completely different end Mm -hmm. um it it was just going to be him going to a spot where he normally does his his dealings and i like even wrote out the whole uh conversation between him and uh goody goody shana mm-hmm. um because that was supposed to be the the like uh, ending for it um and i do feel that the most of these things yeah uh, as you said would be building towards something else if there was definitely more written on it um along with the d description but um yeah yeah i don't know i've uh been trying a lot harder to be a lot more conscious when i am uh meandering when i when i do do right mm-hmm. which i guess is definitely a, a major thing that i did did learn is that um being a lot more conscious about what i am putting down on the page is very uh stressful i mean there have been times where i would just be at this kind of block mm-hmm. uh, because I wasn't sure how to proceed through this new voice, through this new, mm-hmm. new, new, new ish way of me trying to uh, tell this, this story. So it did come with, with some stress, but through that, I was definitely able to kind of push through um, and come up with something that's, I don't know, has, has a bit more taste to it. Mm-hmm. Flavor. <laughs> Um, yeah, you say the word flavor makes me think of that, that first paragraph, which was, uh, this is not good, uh, feelings in my mouth or my nose, so. Oh, are you talking about this the, really uh, disgusting room? Roaches and, and darkened ashtrays, dirty lemon, greasy grime pints. <laughs> yeah, that, that bit. Um. Yeah. I mean, okay, did you understand what those question marks were pointing towards or like? Because I was I was trying my best to describe this very specific smell. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yes, no. The 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 question marks work just fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Where yeah. we don't, yeah, we're we're saying that each of these things that we're putting a question mark is like it's somewhat like these things, but it's not exactly that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think asking Pleasant. questions to to the audience, um, like rhetorical ones, I think is 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 a fun good practice. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. 
Okay, so uh, obviously there's always more we can say, especially for uh, a story of this length. <laughs> um, but um, uh, we, you know, the, this I think we've already been talking about it for like twenty minutes. So I feel yeah, like this is a good, so I, yeah, yeah. I can just say um, what, what, yeah. What did you uh, learn, and what do you, what would you change next time that you haven't already said? Uh, yeah, so pretty much just uh, what I would change, which is running it through a lot more edits, uh, trimming a, a lot of things down. Uh, mostly, I, I want to really work on the end, because towards that part, I was really losing a lot of steam when it came to describing this um, old town, describing the creek and this uh, and this homeless man that crawled out of the gutter. Um, so, so those are things that I would like to bring a lot more uh, attention to. Uh, and yeah, just overall make a couple of, of edits. I wouldn't say that there's anything specific, just you know, a general a a general run through. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I learned was just that uh, taking my my time, even though it does eat in into the uh, into the thirty minutes. Uh, proves to be a lot better with uh, when it comes to the product and also the process of writing it was a lot more rewarding because uh, through taking my my time while also going off of uh, while while also just writing off off of the cuff come up with more tangible and better ideas mm-hmm. overall so yeah it was it was a good time all around fantastic um, okay, let's get into the listener-submitted story section. Sure thing. So, as you know, this is the listener-submitted story section. We are going to talk about all these stories a lot. We're going to spoil them, which means that if you haven't read them, I will go ahead and pause this podcast after we announce what the stories are going to be, and then come on back so that you can talk about them with us. Yeah, right? it, it just you know, interject your comments in between the things that we're saying, or just like talk over us. And um, while we will be ignoring everything you say, know that we are listening. Um, yes, we we, we are not uh, responding, but we we hear you. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> you, and uh, we want to hear more. We love you. Also, we might forget what you said. Um, just because we're very forgetful and also because like if anyone else is listening to the podcast at the same time as you they're speaking at the same time as you and so yeah. it's kind of like so a jumbled up mess so it'll it, be later yeah, yeah. yeah if you really want us to uh really you know get and remember what you said the best way to do that would be to you know send us an email or something you know provide us yeah. a, a textual um reminder of what you said to us during uh while you were listening to us but um um uh, yeah so let's get into it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the so the stories we are going to be talking about this week are by jarby jazz calanero 985 ace of sword nipotin and m reese that's right um there was a lot of M-Reese. a lot of writers this week great job i know um, peoples that's crazy um, yeah I, I think i think this has been our uh, biggest turnout in a couple of weeks so yeah it's fantastic mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, th- thanks to everyone who, who came back and, and wrote stuff, and especially those who wrote comments and basically uh, kept the spirit of, of things alive and well. Um, always <laughs> love seeing that. Yeah, so the first story we are going to be talking about is by Ace of Sword with Dazzle. Um, so, But in this story, this Dazzle, I can describe this Dazzle, um, we have this uh, magic apprentice um, who... Uh, works at the uh, or not works it is learning how magic works at the university um and they're not just learning how magic works they're learning how 
the magic of magic works. Like, basically, the fundamental forces behind each spell. Like, you can learn a spell, right. um, but, like, learning the, the mechanics behind it is something entirely different. And something that the entire um, aca- uh, academy, it seems like it's it's struggling to uh, fully understand, where uh, basically it's like a fluke whenever someone invents a spell, essentially. But uh, so our, our character only knows one spell. We don't really know exactly what it is, uh, but they are going off to to practice it. They have to like keep it, keep concentrating on it as they go around. Um, they go wander into town and they pass by an inn where they see a conjurer, which is kind of like a mage that doesn't actually know the magic behind magic. They only know a couple things. Um, is uh, putting on a show, uh, d- doing a couple of tricks of like transmuting things, w- one thing to another, um, ending with uh, turning a, a giant bubble that used to be um, uh, a rock, um, a, a making it turn into. A, what's interesting is that because you know we're coming from a, an understanding of understanding physics, I think we can kind of like make guesses as to how it works, where um, mm-hmm. the uh, bubble bursts into flame after it touches a torch. And uh, our main character is like, oh, my goodness, how did they do that? Like, they made a giant fireball. That's, like, really impressive when, like, I've never heard of someone doing that. And, I mean, my guess is that she, like, transmuted it into, you know, a flammable gas, right? Um, And so I just thought that was a a neat little thing where the reader is some some dramatic irony there. Um, But... um, the mage talks to the this conjurer. The conjurer says, uh, "I want to know the magic of magic, but I don't. I'm actually very poor, right? That's why I'm putting on shows. Um, but if you teach me a spell, maybe I can uh, do something for you too." And the mage is like, "Okay, but I want more. I only know one spell, so you have to th- teach me three spells uh, back." <laughs> and the mage is like, "Well, that's greedy, but sure." Um, and they go off uh, basically agreeing to to do this for the future. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I think this story has great world world building and uh, and bringing us into this um, <laughs> different form of form of magic that I really haven't seen from uh, too many places. Um, and uh, quickly, we we get a good sense as to who our main character is. They are very uh, curious about this this magic, and uh, that does lead them to um, striking up this this deal. Uh, so yeah, overall, uh, I just really like it. I, th- I think it was written very well, and I am and I'm eager to see uh, where it goes from here. Yeah, I, I really like the um the the, the character of the uh, conjurer that's built here. Um, it's playing into uh, some archetypes in in some really fun ways. Uh, well, all right. Up next is by Calinero nine eight five with first day. Um, so this is a, a fun little like closed box um, mystery. I don't actually know if I use that term correctly at all. I just um, I think nah. I don't think it's correct at all. I don't know. Our main character appears in the box essentially. Uh, our main character Brooke, she uh, wakes up, although she doesn't actually like feel like she woke up. She just is there mm. and aware that she's there. Um, in this uh, classroom where everything is white and it's as generic a classroom as possible. Um, and, and each of the desks are other students, but she's never seen any of them before. One person starts to talk when suddenly, uh, their face gets cut open before they, uh, after they get one word out. Um, and, uh, Brooke looks up at the board and sees that there's a bunch of rules on the board. One is, um, 
raise your hand while speaking, identify yourself on your work, uh, grading is on a curve, three strikes, you're out, um, five, remain at your desk until you leave the classroom, and six, no one leaves before the bell rings. Um, welcome to contract law. So uh, we're immediately set up, oh no, this is uh, a um, sort of, um, what's, what are examples of it? it I mean, the, the first thing that I thought of when I started reading was a battle royale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then quickly it turned into this sort of supernatural um, saw-like thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I think battle royale is a, f- a fair comparison. Calling in 95 compares it to uh, Maze Runner. Um, there's a movie on um, Netflix. I think it's some, like, really low-budget thing. It's called Circle. That's it. Uh, a similar circle scenario yeah. i actually really like that uh movie. have you have you seen a uh, platform no it's it's also a uh netflix show or movie that i think is um, far better than the circle while also talking to similar things so. i don't i think i think the circle is also a different movie i don't know Circle is the one where they're standing on the red dot. Yes, yes. And they get yeah, zapped. Okay. Yes. I, I don't know what the circle is then. But. I don't know either. I just know that people talk about it and they get excited because I think they're talking about that other movie, but they're not. <laughs> anyway. But, but then they watch Circle. Uh, yeah. Back, back to Kalanir 95 story. Um, sorry about that. Um, so uh, this person that cried out, Brooke puts a hand over their mouth just to make sure they don't talk anymore. And then some other uh, people in the room, they raise their hands and start talking and they don't get their faces cut open uh one person tries to escape and immediately um gets one cut across their face then another one mm-hmm. down their face and then the third thing uh basically as i understand it basically half of their face gets ripped off and then they get forced through a hole that doesn't exist with the sound of flesh tearing and bone snapping um which is terrifying um but it's really good at setting the stakes yeah, so we, we know what the, the consequences are. And, of course, after that happens, the next line is, things got bad after that. We're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it got even worse somehow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, at this point, Brooke starts engaging with the mystery. Um, there's a, a bunch of uh, papers in front of them um, sort of presenting, like, riddles, but they get, like, extremely hard to understand. Like, they're basically nonsensical. And um, it sort of feels like going through these worksheets is not actually the solution or if it is it's a strange solution so uh brooke is like trying to find like what is actually the uh the riddle here she looks around the room and actually there's some students missing um some some of the seats are empty um and she didn't hear about them getting eaten up right mm-hmm. um and so she kind of figures out that oh actually people have solved the thing and they've actually been able to get out somehow and so she starts figuring it out too and eventually she comes to an answer and we're, we're, that reveal is held to us until the end. Um, and she has to contemplate of, like, should she tell other people what the solution is? It, like, it would be the right thing to do. But mm-hmm. one of the rules is that grading is on a curve, which means that um, the the more people that do good, the, like, the, the more people that do bad, the better everyone else becomes, basically. So it actually is really bad for her to do that. And so she solves a riddle as she understands it and writes in the part where she's supposed to put her name, um, where it says, identify yourself. She puts no one. And then the classroom is gone. Hmm. Yeah. So I uh, really like this story. I uh, love how quickly this sort of supernatural tension in the air is set up. 
Um, and the situation itself is pretty interesting. And I do like how um, after we uh, initially get how gruesome this this thing is um, that is basically keeping them there, uh, we, we go further into uh, this sort of world building on... Um, exactly what they do need to uh, get out of this this class and, and i love the uh, moments when we're in brooke's head and um how she herself is trying to really figure this out so yeah i think it's a very well well crafted story um with a ending that that uh definitely makes you question so yeah really good uh, so for for a critique i'm going to agree with Hanto the heron who who left a comment um that uh i i think showing the the consequence of the three strikes happened a little bit early i think just like okay, getting cuts yeah. across your face is threatening enough for us to get to, to have enough tension for a bit um yeah. and i think like maybe someone making a mistake later on might have been a better place to to put that um that said in the events that happened in the story that's not really the case um yeah uh, and i mean like i i do also feel that uh as soon as the alliance said, like things things got bad after that. There was this this sort of tone shift that did cut a lot of the mm. tension. Um, be, yeah, because we yeah, started going said. through a lot of time, and we just kind of oh, it, it goes from moment to moment to a, a summary. Yeah, but overall, I mean, really, really great story, um, especially for being written within thirty minutes. So I think uh, this could definitely be something. Yeah, one thing I I kind of <laughs> like about it is that, and, and I think in a rewrite you could um, even uh, play with this even more, is that the solution that Brooke comes to, which is to write no one at her, uh, where her name is supposed to be, I'm mm-hmm. not even, I'm not sure if that's the right answer. I don't know if that's like, like I, I was kind of concerned that actually that means that she disappears from existence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, like the, the, these people are are disappearing from the classroom, but that doesn't mean that they like left, like that they just left and then were able to be normal, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, like uh, if you are drawing more uh, parallels to the root or, or to circle, uh, when people disappeared, they definitely didn't go to a place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if like, uh, or like a moral, the a moral of the story it could be is uh, don't <laughs> look at other people for answers. Because uh-huh. then you'll come to the wrong one. Like, it, it, if all these people are disappearing and like deleting themselves, essentially, uh, maybe that's a bad thing to do. Don't don't look at other people <clears throat> for your answers. Pay attention to your own work. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. Just just one potential thing. I I, I know you know having a st- straight up like said moral like that might be a little on the nose, but I think that's part of the fun sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, but thank you very much, uh, Calanero985. And next up is Jarby Jazz with the Mystery of the Abandoned Academy, Scooby-Doo Fanfic Part 1. And then uh, Part 2 is in the, in the yeah. comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as it says in the title, this is a Scooby-Doo Fanfic, and we know that Finally. Very quick. Um, I love it. I, I think it's like our second or third one, right? What do you mean? We've had at least one Scooby-Doo fanfic before. Yes, yes we have. It was a couple of, of weeks back. Um, so yeah, I think this is our second Scooby-Doo fanfic, which I'm very excited for. I think one week we should just do all Scooby-Doo fanfic. but Yeah, I think that's me. a good idea. Um, <laughs> it, I have no idea. It, on a anniversary of 
of Scooby-Doo, probably. It's a good time to do that. So mm. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the mystery gang pulls up um, at a, an old academy, and it's all abandoned, so it's at the haunted house. Uh, and uh, Fred is ex- very excited to get in there. Um, but we, as, as we go through pretty quickly, we <laughs> kind of understand that <laughs> Freddy is not okay. He's yeah. He's, uh, People are scared of him. Yeah, the, it, it seems like everyone in the Mystery Gang is pretty afraid. Um, the only person that seems like nonchalant is like Daphne, but she kind of disappears as soon as the narr- narrative is uh, is able to send her off. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jarby just kind of <laughs> knows that they did that on purpose because Daphne never does anything in the in the show. <laughs> yeah, she does. Which is usually true. Not always, but it's Not usually always, true. Not always, but she normally is dedicated to the damsel in distress role. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Freddy is basically uh, gone mad and is sort of like holding the entire Mr. Gang ca- uh, captive as he goes on these mystery hunts. Um, he makes the, the gang split up in, in the dark and it seems like they're all uncomfortable with that, but they have to because he's making them do that. Um, Shaggy is with Scooby, who is a talking dog. Like he, he talks how Scooby talks, which I... yeah. Was with the with the rub rows and, and and everything. Yeah, I was that I found that choice very interesting because it seems like I mean normally when someone does a like, oh like this is actually the the, the person's crazy right that means that there's this is going to be in a realistic universe right where like there's no talking dogs but this is, yeah. this is like still in the this is in the world where Scooby is <laughs> Scooby right Scooby yeah. talks like Scooby talks he's he's still Scooby, um, but. Uh, the Mr. Gang's not a real thing if Freddy's deranged. Um, so it's interesting. <laughs> um, I like. I almost wanted to guess that Scooby is actually a person that they treat like a dog or something, but I don't think that's the the case either. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we we uh, it, it's fun that Jerby Jess is like emulating the the voices of these characters. I think Shaggy's pretty damn close to how he actually talks. Yeah, it's a lot of pretty fun. pretty spot on. Um. And uh, so they go off and, and investigate, and then they, they um, come back and meet up with uh, Velma, who, who they've st- spotted that Fred has set a bear trap, right? <laughs> Which is like, god damn, that's, that's not how he usually rolls. Um, when uh, this person in a hood comes by, steps in the bear trap, um, starts screaming, and uh, the gang gathers around, and they're like, um, they, they just look on kind of in like resignated, re- resignated horror as Freddy takes off the mask of the person, which means they like he rips off their face, <laughs> which is pretty horrible. And we pretty kind of understand. Horrible. Pretty it, bloody. It, we're left with the implication that this is in a sort of post-apocalypse <laughs> situation, mm-hmm. and uh, that they are continuously at the mercy of of Freddy. Yeah. So uh, I thought this was a, a really nice twist on um, the Scooby Doo mythos. Uh, I think that the reveal at the end of the of basically um, the the old world being co- a collapse was pretty shocking. I do feel that it definitely came out of nowhere, but at the same time, it provided a lot more context for the rest of the story. Um, and, and I think the the thing that that really kind of took the center stage here was a lot of the uh, dial a lot of the dialogue and how spot on uh, it, it it is close to being with the dialogue that uh, you would see in the uh, in the TV show while also adding its own twist to it. 
Um, so yeah, overall, I think this this is a really great fan fan fiction that um, takes a lot of things within uh, Scooby Doo and kind of flips them on on their head. Because uh, like I would never uh, think up a, a story where where Freddy is this uh, deranged villain, but after reading this, I can see how it would definitely work and make sense. So really great job. Uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, I just thought this was, uh, very fun, and I think it was, uh, or probably, like, a, a good time to, to practice a bunch of different skills in here, you know, building horror and emulating voices and, and things like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, all right, up next is by Nipotin with Anti-Novel. <laughs> so I this love is, this one. Yeah, this is a very interesting story. Uh, Nipotin, I think, really had fun with this one. Um, so in the, the, the past couple of um, episodes, Nipotin wrote stories that were like all dialogue. And so this time they wanted to swing around and do the opposite thing. And they ended up doing <laughs> something very experimental. Mm-hmm. So the way that it opens is that Nipotin, the author, like the actual person Nipotin, is writing about the process of writing this story that they're writing right now, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which is not not in a, a fictional sense, but literally going um, beat by beat. <laughs> like I was going to write a short story like this, but now I'm going to sh- write a short story like this. This story is called this, um, and then basically like starts telling the story of telling the story, essentially, mm-hmm. where uh, there we are a full step removed from a narrative. And uh, so in this story, there's this mother who. Uh, she gets a call and then she sits across from her son and um, starts talking to like reconnect with him and uh, then starts telling a story of called the magic circus, which this entire, this story about this mother is also called the magic circus. Um, And she starts uh, telling the story about the magic circus to uh, her son, Gail, um, who uh, then starts participating and, and telling this uh, story back to her uh, because it's a story that they, she told, him when he was little um after uh, <clears throat> right before they get to the end of the story uh the phone rings and she goes and answers it her ex-husband uh checks in on her telling her that her son's been killed in an accident um and uh yeah uh, she she he asks um did you have any idea why he he'd be in town um you, do you think he came to see me or you and she says that she doesn't know and so very quickly, uh, so then it's, it's, this is very hard to summarize because the, the way that Nipotin's playing with narration is, is very complicated. Mm-hmm. So uh, f- from that statement, we then go back into a, a, a very, um, we start stepping back away from this story uh, with uh, the call doesn't much, last much longer. She returns to the kitchen table. And then now speaking directly to us, Nipotin says, uh, by this point, we would re- we would realize as if, in the case that they wrote the story, uh, what the first phone call was about. The son is still there. Um, he And then we're back in the story. The son is still there. He asks her what's wrong. She says it's nothing. And they continue to tell each other the story of the magic circus. And the story ends. And then we take a full step back. Now that this, the magic circus story is over, um, Nipotin starts uh, t- talking about, um, like, uh, a... Uh, it, I, as I understand, a literary theorist talking about what a story is made of, what the novel is made of, and uh, then basically explains what the story about the magic circus is about. Uh, the the son was dead, and this is like a story of 
the mother reconnecting with her son who's who's dead um, via the story. Summarizing and explaining the meaning of the innermost story of the magic circus that, that the mom is telling to the son, and then explaining the meaning of that uh, narrative of the mother and the son, and then explaining itself of explaining what this narrative of explaining itself is about, which is uh, really fascinating. <laughs> and I, there's a you know a very interesting point that they're making. Um, there's some irony that in their attempt to get away from telling a story, um, they told the story. through dialogue between characters, uh, they, Nipotin, the author as the character, told the story entirely with their own voice. Um, and um, there's this concept of like words get in the way of, um, it, words basically create distance between us and like the events being told about. And uh, yeah. a lot of good writing is trying to reduce that distance, but it, you can never actually get arrive fully at meaning with no words in between um, that obscure what is actually supposed to be happening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this this I think the way that this story is is told from a distance uh, really works for this uh, story about writing a a story frame that uh, they are writing in. I, I really like how uh, experimental it really is, and also how in detail uh, they really do go about just the creation of this story. And I don't know, I, f- I found it very refreshing to uh, not only get a story, but also get this sort of overarching mm-hmm. ex- explanation of it that is also very well well written uh, and uh, brings forth a lot of great uh, a lot of great tidbits of um, what a what a story and uh, what a novel is seen to be and what it should be. So yeah, I think this is just a really great um, story, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, so I've. Um, read some like literary theories uh, that are similar to this for decomposing worm, but mm-hmm. I think this story really helped me understand that concept of words getting in the way. Uh, like, yeah, it, it really. I think this is a great story to understand that concept. Um, and I, I mean, I love exper- experimental fiction. Um, I think it's really fun to write that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I really, really appreciate this. Thank you for writing this snippet. I really enjoyed it. And I recommend that people go read this because uh, you'll learn a little bit about uh, the curse of language. <laughs> the, the double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all right. Up, up next is by M. Reese with Black. Uh, yeah, so this is a new writer. Thank you for joining joining us, M. Reese. Uh, we appreciate your entry. Um, so in this story, we have uh, Professor Gorner Trask entering a classroom uh, with a. Uh, it's it's the the classroom is basically empty except for Gorner Trask, um, and we immediately set up this idea of uh, black thoughts being bad while white thoughts are good, and basically everything is. Um, divided into this dichotomy and there's no nuance black, and white. Um, black thoughts and, and black ideas and things are like always bad um, and uh, so in this room there's a student but it's not like actually a student it seems that they're an inmate at this sort of uh, correctional facility and we, we get things revealed as we go um, we kind of understand that uh, David the the student might be like a, a pedophile or something um, mm-hmm. which is a uh, really concerning um and we're like not sure what they did um but uh it seems like they're they're trying hard to 
get better or it, it's it's complicated because it seems like the way that they are trying to rehabilitate this person uh, is like very uncomfortable and not just in like the sense of like um, David is being made to like confront you know his own actions or something but like it's almost I, I don't know like I felt like it was probably like really skeevy and like probably not acceptable of like a way to do this um like it i don't I, yeah i the, the anyway I, we don't know exactly the, the 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 process is supposed to be but we know that david is not succeeding at it um and that uh that's not uh good for him and uh, uh, his daughter is is dead uh after having chased um a, a cat into the street and um he basically like makes a reference to her and he's not supposed to do that um, because uh, that's a black thought because she's dead, right? And anything that's um, negative should never be think- thought about. Uh, pretty easily summarized at the end um, with um, the recitation that David has to make, which is uh, uh, white is right, <laughs> which is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> White is light. Uh, no room for neg- negativity. No room for regret. Suppress the bad. Elevate the good. Um, and uh, basically, we understand that David is, uh, if he doesn't improve within uh, ten more sessions, he's going to get like lobotomized or something uh, to remove those um, black thoughts. Yeah. Um, so this story really uh, gave me a lot of uh, minority report vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the idea of basically thought a thought crime about uh, someone being prosecuted by what they think and not through their actions even though we we do get a sense that uh this character of of david did act upon certain things um but overall i think the the world building in this really takes a center stage uh m m reese does a really great job at um describing this dichotomy of this of this society very well uh, and basically, what what would constitute a black thought versus a uh, versus a white thought? Uh, and I really do like how um, the story itself kind of started off pretty wide with a with a with a general view of uh, a lot of these i ideas, and then and then it starts to focus even more so on this more personal story of a David trying to, or David being forced to seek this sort of therapy. Yeah, actually, going back, I just like checked over stuff. I don't actually know if there's any anything in the text that specifically says that David's a pedophile. Like, actually, um, mm. like the 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 thing that made me think that was um, uh, the the professor uh, lists basically why David is here, right? And I, since he's an inmate, my assumption was that like he's done a crime, right? But we don't actually know that. It could yeah. just be that it's the thought crime of, um, quote, um, suffering from depression, suicidal thoughts, insomnia, and public anxiety, p- particularly around female children between the ages of six and nine. So that last bit made me think that, oh, he gets really anxious because, you know, he's a pedophile and, like, is a, a ashamed of that part yeah. of himself, right? But it also uh, could be because... Just because his daughter, daughter died yeah. when she was around that age. Mm-hmm. So I... I hope uh, M. Reese isn't too mad at us for for getting that wrong. I think I think we did get that wrong, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I'm not entirely sure how you would fix that or if like it's reasonable to 
uh, I don't know if if um, most people would would read it the the same way that um, I did. Yeah, I mean, in in your reading, it does seem very valid uh, because that is something that that also crossed my mind in uh, reading it. Is that I thought he was he was simply in there for thought crime because since he's having these mm. black thoughts that he's being stuck there. Um, but I think uh, on a different reading, and maybe if there was a bit more context i can definitely see how someone could arise at that conclusion like um um, if i i I don't even know if it actually needs to be like fixed because sometimes you can just blame the reader yeah um but uh if there was like a line of like subject is here because um and then like say that they were admitted because of depression and and these things not this and like basically implicitly say that it's not because of an actual crime yeah but you know i guess small things that that could possibly be fixed i mean for for that it could you know as you said be up be up to the readers in interpretation but you know there there could be a bit more clarity there um but yeah overall i think uh this this story creates this this world very well Um, And it also kind of arises a lot of different questions within the reader, their uh, uh, their selves about, you know, this dichotomy, which is also present, which is also present in our day to day world. So, yeah, I think this is a a really great story that I would love to see a another edit or more being added on to it. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Emrys. And I Uh hope that the. Um, mistake was not too distressing. <laughs> yes. Well, all right. Thank you so much to everyone who did write this week. Uh, if it were not for for y'all, uh, then we wouldn't really have a podcast. Uh, so uh, we just want to take a quick little moment to thank e- to, to thank everyone who did write in this week. So thank you very much to Paradox, Ace of Sword, Kamikaze Tomato, Hunt of the Heron. Kalanero985, Jarby Jazz, Yeti Mancer Quest, Nipoten, Sith Thrill, Reese, It's All a Pill, Ghost Pac-Man 4, and Ritum. Thank you so much for submitting your story. And also, we would like to, to give a big old do the right thing thank you to those who left comments. Uh, leaving a comment not only allows you to uh, figure out what worked and didn't work within your own story, but you're also providing someone else with crucial feedback, which can aid them in uh, making their own story or or any other story that they might write that much better. So, thank you very much to Ghost Pac-Man 4, Yeti Master Quest, Sith Thrill, Jarby Jazz, Paradox, Kamikaze Tomato, and Haunt of the Heron. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Uh, yeah, uh, y'all are awesome, and and I really liked seeing so much um, discussion on on uh, all of these stories. And it was also really cool just to get so many stories this week after a uh, a drought. So really cool that people <laughs> are uh, can you know uh, taking that back up again in in the midst of of quarantine and all. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh yeah it's it's really tough to to do things right now just generally. So I really applaud everyone who has uh, written a story in the last little while. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Uh, if you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, you can do that by going to our subreddit, which is slash r slash do the right thing. 
all 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 you have to do is go to the most recent week use three or four words for that week in a story that you write within 30 minutes um yep <laughs> that was not clunky at all <laughs> uh well i mean that's just that's just this is our premise is it's hard to say. That's mm-hmm. just how it is. I mean, there's there's just a lot of odds odds and ends and little bits yes. of uh, detail you have to shove in there. Yeah. If you want to hear the words as as soon as possible, you could uh, follow our uh, Twitter account, which is at RightThingCast. If you want to support us and uh, all of Doof Media and help us continue to make the content that we hope you like, uh, you can do that by uh, donating a dollar or a month to our Doof Media Patreon. Uh, by by doing that, you will not only gain access to the to the Doof Media Discord, but you will you will help us continue to make the the content that you like. And also, if you donate uh, up upwards of ten dollars, you will you will get access to a bonus episode that me and Matthias made talking about Modico Magica. That's right. I have not posted that yet i really need to do that but right. <laughs> um i am in the final stages of editing it okay uh, i've done all the processing i just gotta like run through it and yeah. um i have a, a, a i gotta play with the music a bit because i don't like oh, have are a you, dedicated are, music thing are you still trying to put in that uh that like a sword art online snippet or oh no i i already got that no okay. i got that okay. it's already <laughs> oh i guess i pretty much did finish editing it except for the music huh I should do that. I'm not going to get it done over this weekend, though. So, yeah, yeah, um, yes, but yes. it might come out uh, sometime early next week, maybe Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the goal. Sorry about that, y'all. Um, <laughs> also, uh, just the other thing I want to mention is that the uh, decomposing worm slash pale reflections uh, fan art contest ended the a couple of days before this uh, episode comes out. Yeah. Um, so we were no longer accepting submissions for that contest. However, that means that uh, voting is now open. So <gasps> the places to the place to go to that is uh, patreon.com. Uh, any uh, level of patron is able to vote there. Um, choose it's it's one of the uh, it's a vote where you can choose more than one um, thing to to get your vote. And uh, yeah, there's some, some prizes um, to to get there. I know the the work is really incredible. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see who wins. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, all right, that is that is it for the for the do the right thing outro. So let's go ahead and announce next week's words, which are gonna get a drum roll or a bass line or something. Bum bum. That's what you get. <laughs> that's what you get. Oh well, hey, that's more than I normally get. That is a uh, lot more than you normally get. <laughs> you better appreciate it. I, I am. So the words for next week are temptation, hover, bear, and fault. Ooh, I this really, is, I really like these words. This is a fun set. Um, yeah. So uh, temptation, as in uh, something that uh, makes you want to do a thing which normally you're not supposed to do, like mm-hmm. um, you know, eat a cake when you're on a diet, that yeah. kind of thing, or um, sexual other, temptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the obvious one. Um, yeah, the most hover. Obvious. As in, um, for something to uh, f- float above um, another another object. Although I think the term hovering kind of implies that it is a continuous action, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, like a hover car, right? Or you're like, I don't know, just hovering over someone, and not in a literal sense, but like you're hovering over their shoulder, right? Mm, yeah, um, that kind of thing. A bear, as in um, the animal, which mm-hmm. is, it's a bear. <laughs> <laughs> but also like a uh, bear with me mm-hmm. uh, too much to a, bear 
too much to bear. Exactly. Um, and then fault, uh, as in it is your fault, or as in like a fault in the earth, which is like a crack uh, running through it. Um, or, yeah, basically, yeah, a fault line is what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Like the character, yeah. So, Matthias, next week, what story are you going to bring to us? That's a great question. Um, is it Jarvis? Um, I didn't even have a second to think about it. <laughs> hmm. um, but that's my own fault for not uh, coming <laughs> prepared um, to uh, write a really great story about a bear um, that, after many moons of uh, meditation um, in a cave on the top of the highest mountain, this is a grizzly bear that hiked all the way um, across the Bering Strait while it was still icy. It, um, then it went to what we now call Nepal, but at the time was just mountains. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, climb up to the top of Mount Everest, uh, where there is a secret cave that no one actually knows about, because it actually fell off between now and then. This is this is a long time ago, <laughs> and um, so the the bear went into this this cave at the top of Mount Everest. Uh, this is an American bear again. I want to emphasize. Um, and then uh, meditated in lotus um, seating position for uh, thirty moons and uh, thirty suns, <laughs> and. Uh, it learned um, that the secret to um, it, a secret skill that no one knows about uh, is to resist all temptation, to uh, learn mastery over your own self, including wow. the temptation to fall to the ground. And that is how you learn the skill of how to hover a couple inches off the ground while seated in lotus position. It's a pretty useful mm-hmm. skill. Um, sometimes you don't want to get your butt dirty. Um, so you just want to, you know, make sure that you're not, uh, you know, sainting your solely butt, your, your holy butt. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's really bad. That's dumb. I feel really dumb saying that. Um, <laughs> your holy butt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then this, uh, bear went back to America. Um, at that time the Bering Strait had melted, but it was okay because they just, you know, got down in, in lotus position. They sat down. Uh, they were hovering a couple of inches above the water, and they kind of, like, paddled themselves forward. Um, it, you know, just kind of pushing back, and they, they were able to cross the Bering Strait and then get back. And uh, that is why all bears in America can uh, hover. Oh, okay. I, I, I actually didn't know that. So uh, thank yeah. you for that little tidbit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, what's the story you're, you're going to write? Uh, my story is going to be Brother Bear fan, fan fiction. Uh, basically, uh, instead of him turning in to a bear when he does go up to the uh, mountain uh, top, he actually ends up turning into a fire spirit, uh, one one that hovers and is and is engulfed in an infinite flame, and and basically from there the the story is about him finding closeness with his brother uh, and nature itself while all while always having this temptation to burn everything that 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 it does touch um and 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 eventually at the very end after they uh after he recut after he reconnects with his people and uh uh, and his brothers he he tells them that that it is time to move because through his through his fire powers he he noticed that they are living on top of a major fault line so quickly, Brother Bear turns turns into them having to spend forty days and 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 forty nights in the desert, trying their best to find a new home. That sounds incredible. 
Yes. It's the perfect story. Uh, and I think by writing that, it will get people to uh, rewatch Brother Bear because it oh, is I, such I a fantastic you're gonna, film. You were going to say do the right thing because that's our the name of our show and that's how we close episodes. Oh, with do, with do the right thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, watching Brother Bear is doing the right thing. That's, that's very true. That's a good movie. All right, cool. I'm going to hit stop. Yep. <laughs>